Wow. What time are you getting up? Ten? Um, yeah, crack of dawn. Nine. Nine, nine thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. The, the big question is: Are you wearing pants? Are you going to wear pants? Yes. Are you planning I, on wearing pants tomorrow? I, I'll probably have shorts on. Yeah. And nice. A, yeah, but then a button-down shirt, you know, so that it'll look professional. For yeah. The... And lipstick. <laughs> Gotta wear your makeup when you're on your Zoom calls. Well, you know, I found that I think I may have told you this. I found a thing that uh, says uh, it can improve your the image, and so I clicked on that. And what it does is it makes it a little bit fuzzy, so you can't see the wrinkles as well. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, that is brilliant. Hey, everybody. Todd Conklin, Pre-Accident Investigation uh, Podcast. Welcome aboard. I'm glad you're here. It's uh, been a fun spending time with you in the midst of this uh, pandemic, this adventure. Ah, adventure is the wrong word. I think you choose adventures, or it seems like you choose adventures. This one is thrust upon us, and that's um, that's a part of what today's podcast is all about is what do you do when the apple cart gets upset? Well, the quick answer is you you pick them back up and go back to work. And that has, in fact, um, been our challenge, all of us. And we share it at a bunch of different levels. And I never even spend a half second without thinking about all the adaptive things you're having to do on a daily basis just as a part of normal duty. And so Bob Edwards and I were talking about that. We're really talking about what does uh, the future look like for us as we get the opportunity to bounce forward out of this. I don't think it's going to be a fast recovery. I could be wrong. Though. I'm on, I've been wrong on a ton of stuff, but it doesn't feel to me like it's a fast recovery because it doesn't feel to me like we're going to return to the work as it was pre-pandemic. And because I think that's true, or at least strategically, that's the way I'm thinking about it, and I bet you are too, that's really put a different set of needs in how I look at the world in which we live in moving forward. I think it's without a doubt safe to say that we've spent the last 20, 30, 40 years in a business environment that was really aligned towards creating efficiency, lean, just in time, right? Uh, we created shareholder value. We did, These are words that you heard a lot, right? And so we optimized towards being efficient. And what we learned is, is that efficiency does create efficiency. It creates those things like shareholder value and profits. But when something happens, we're left without much ability to flex and bend. And so we snap. And lots of us are in organizations that are snapping. And that's frightening at every single level. So given that, I would suggest the next 20 years or so, we can predictively guess that we're going to be in organizations that are really aligned towards resilience towards creating operational capacity to manage a very fluid world. 
And I think that is a, an opportunity for us to bounce forward. And it's an important opportunity. And that's what Bob and I were talking about. And we were just yakking. I mean, it was kind of no, we didn't really have any agenda or anything. We were just yakking. And he started telling me a story. And I said, whoa, whoa there, cowboy, which is what I call Bob when no one's around. I said, uh, let's suck that back in a minute and push record on this conversation and make a little podcast. It's been a while since Bob and I've done a podcast anyway, um, partially because the last two we've done, we can't use because they were about other stuff that's been canceled by events. So it's probably always fun to get him back on the podcast. And I know it's valuable because the story he tells is a story really of, of how an organization really through humility at the leadership level realized they didn't know anymore how the organization was making success. And because they didn't know, they, they honestly didn't know, they wanted to spend some time and really listen as fast as they possibly could. They wanted to look at what was happening so they could understand how success was taking place because what once would have been determined a deviation is now actually an adaption and they're happening all the time in order to keep groceries on the shelves. Right. And that, that's super interesting because six months prior to the event, uh, doing work without a formal lock and tag with six signatures was, uh, an offense that would get you fired. But during essential functions, doing work without a lock and tag on a fork truck was how you got the fork truck fixed because ultimately what mattered was that that truck left because there were people waiting to buy food that needed that food badly. And that conversation, that's really what we captured here. I hope you're doing good. I mean, take care of yourself. That's really important. But also really take care of each other. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Um, pass this on. If this will help anybody, these discussions, you know it's just you and me, so we don't mind who else listens. But give them an opportunity to be a part of our conversation as much as they want to. Um, and that, I think, is our little way of making the world a better place as well. Do good work. Do it well. And do it for the right reasons. Here's uh, Here's that conversation. This is what happened after we pushed record. This is Bob and I talking about really the world and our ability to learn faster. So you're in a position where in basically a day, all of your schedule disappeared. Yeah, pretty close to that. It, it was actually about two weeks. Uh, I watched it just dissolve. I watched April just dissolve. I could, I, as a matter of fact, May started to fragment as well, and it, it just happened. And you kind of knew it when you got the emails. Like, I guess you know, with COVID nineteen, we probably need to postpone. And so it wasn't that they don't want us anymore. It's that they that we couldn't do it. Right, we can't go there. And um, yeah, so we had to stop and rethink okay what what do we do now what what is the what's our next step now because i mean i i i love doing what i do but i do what i do also because it's my living it's what i it's how i'm 
you know, and we're diversified, Todd. I mean, think about all the different industries we work with, uh, oil and gas, uh, electrical companies, manufacturing companies, right, chemical companies, and yet we really couldn't go to any of them anymore. And so you had to kind of reinvent yourself. Yeah, which is not what I really wanted to do. Nobody <laughs> kind of had to. Nobody ever in the history of mankind wanted to reinvent themselves. At least that's my theory. Right. It's probably a pretty good one. Um, and, you know, we've talked about this a bit, too, is you almost had to go through uh, like the stages of grief or something. It was really bizarre. It's like almost denial at first for me. And and then it was like, well, I guess I have to deal with this. And and kind of sad for a moment there that I I couldn't go do all the things that I was looking so forward to doing. And, yeah, so it's kind of kind of bizarre for sure. But it put you in, I mean, it really puts you in a position. Do the things you do matter? I mean, are they, do they add value? Well, that's, that's a good question, right? So uh, I can tell you this, I, I always hope that what I do helps. That's always my goal is to help. Um, I did get a phone call, which I told you about from a site that said, can you come in and help? And they were a, an essential manufacturing site. what they want you to do? I mean, why'd they have well, you come in? Yeah, it's a good question, right? I mean, it's like it's like not like I'm some kind of COVID-19 expert because I'm not. But what they wanted me to do is to bring the hop conversation into they needed to they needed to do lots and lots of operational learning in the moment because they they were they were asked by the governor to manufacture. They had already they had shut down and sort of transformed their site as best they could to build some uh, barriers in between the workstations and try to find some masks for people to wear and, and to find some sort of thermal imaging so that they could see if people had a fever as they were coming into work. So they did, they shut down for a week and they had kind of put that together and, and then kicked off. And of course you can imagine it was chaos and, and challenging, but they were working through it all. And they called me and asked me to come in. It was an amazing, for, for such a troubled time that we're in, it was an amazing two weeks. I cannot even tell you how thankful I am to have been able to go in and be a part of it. And so what did you do? Well, so the thing that, that was my primary focus was to really do like rapid operational learning. It's like one, it was like a two week long, if you will, learning team. Every day, my jo- job was to go out onto operations, out into operations, learn everything that I could, get ideas to, to, you know, from the, from the people closest to the work, which clearly have some of the best ideas. And it's a hard thing, right? So when something like this happens, you say this all the time. Um, one of the first things that gets challenged are the rules. And I asked the HR manager, I said, what's the first rule you changed? And she said, time and attendance. Uh, I said, tell me more. And she said, well, we normally dock you points if you're not there. And if you don't have a doctor's note, you don't even get an excused anything, right? And so now all of a sudden we've got people that are not sick, but maybe they've been struggling with something you know, health-wise or whatever, or they have a family member that is. So they don't want to come to work. So she had to immediately – she could not do a wait and see. You know, Some people say, well, just wait and see, play it out. No, she didn't. She took action. She said, I'm going to take the, the points thing off of people – Talk to us. If you are not comfortable, we'll give you a leave of absence with no nothing punitive. And it was remarkable because quite a quite a few people took advantage of that, or, or not took advantage, but I mean they used that because they were not comfortable coming into work next to other people. And so, but they could do it without worrying about losing their job. 
And then she got to thinking about that because she and I talked about it everything, right, every day. She said, you know, I wonder why we ever we, – we used to always say, don't come to work sick, but we're going to dock you points if you don't come to work. She said, that may be a change that sticks because we really don't want you to come to work sick, even with the regular flu season or strep throat or whatever, right? And yet if we dock you points, I bet you, Todd, there have been times in your life – I'll tell you this. I have come to work sick before because I had so much work to do. And I thought it was the the responsible thing to do, and I'm going to tough it out and suck it up, and right? It's right. not a good idea. No, it's dumb. It's a dumb idea, right? And yet, yet I'm not the only person who's done it, right? I mean, we we've probably all done it in the past. Yet now with this, it's a really bad idea to come to work sick. And so I think that they're going to change that. I think that policy will stay changed to where you can stay home if you think you for health reasons you need to without losing your job. So let's go into this backwards a little. What did you do with the information you learned? And then we can follow up by saying, how did you learn the information? But I'm curious, where'd the learning products go and, and who cared? So uh, I just literally, they gave me a little uh, office area there to capture, just put my computer up, set my computer up and uh, have a place to sit down occasionally. But I just literally put flip charts on the wall, Todd. It was like one, it was like a two week long learning team. And I just went out and talked to people, listened to people, listened to their concerns, their frustrations, their fears, their challenges, the things that they were dealing with. Here's a quick example. We, uh, Martha Acosta says this, in a, in a time like this, critical thinking is one of the most important things. And yet what was happening is, is rules were being mandated on the workforce. Thou shalt, Wear a mask, wear a face mask, wear your safety glasses. Oh, by the way, that also included the drivers of the powered industrial vehicles, the fork trucks and the tuggers. Well, they it went actually through several layers of leadership and it rolled right out onto operations. But because this site, they have some history with HOP, they have some history with human and organizational performance, and they have workers that, that the voice of the worker is valued, a driver comes up and says – this doesn't make sense for us as drivers because it's fogging up my lens, fogging up my glasses. But remember, the rule had already rolled all the way through, and it was put in place. But they challenged it, and we stopped for a moment, took a kind of a pause there and said, wait, this is this is a higher risk to drive with fogged up glasses and face shield. Plus, it blocks your vision. You can't turn your head as well. Anyway, so we undid that rule. Now, all of that happened in a day's time. So very quick decisions were being made with the information we were learning. And then so there's an example. You, they empowered you to change rules like that. That was not a problem. Well, well it's, all, it's everything's a problem. That's the whole thing, right? Is what what problems do we need to work on? That was one that we saw that needed to change right now. They were going to put out another memo the next day, but we literally, a couple of us, just hit the floor and went out and captured all the drivers and talked to them about it and said, hey, sorry about that. And we apologized. We said, hey, sorry about that. Probably a misread on that rule. We don't, you know, a driver brought this forward. We don't, we agree. You don't need to wear this when you're driving. I'd rather take a chance of you breathing on me as you drive past than running over me, (laughs) if that makes sense. And so we changed that very quickly. Now, it felt like whiplash in operations. But we also apologized and and said we know it feels like whiplash, but we're, we're I mean literally CDC and who I mean those guys were changing information by the day. 
we were trying to transfer that information into this operations as immediate as we could. So thank goodness this, the, 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 a large portion of this workforce has been around this sort of change. I mean, not this sort, but change. They're pretty comfortable with change, but this was like change on steroids. So what did, what attitude did the, the senior leadership team have to take at that facility? How, how curious were they and how open were they to your feedback? Well, so they were curious enough to call me. I didn't call them. Yeah, that's they called true. me. That's a good yeah, point. So, so they, they so brought the, you in. You didn't yes. break down the fence. That's right. And and what was really cool about it is is that that sometimes twice a day the HR manager would meet with me and then she would meet with her staff, but my goal was to go out and op- basically run a learning team uh, every day all across their operations. I was in all parts of their organization, all parts of that factory. Um kind of had free reign to go wherever and talk to whoever. And in some cases, Todd, literally just helping someone getting something resolved. That would be, and that, that felt good in the moment, right? But then looking at the, the sort of the, the bigger challenges and bringing those back to the leadership team. So what are your recommendations for other companies? Well, so what I, what I found with this site is, is that they, they, they saw what they were up against and very quickly they pulled their team together. So collaboration was key. And then they started putting – like this is a manufacturing site. So the first thing they did is they actually put like saran wrap, the big stretch wrap stuff, um, on posts in between workstations. But then they immediately ordered – and they're like, there wasn't like a COVID-19 czar. Does that make sense? I mean there yeah, wasn't no, like I, someone I, who – I would, actually think that's really – uh, important what you just said because nobody really knows how to do this because nobody's really configured a production facility for exactly. a highly contagious transmittable disease with no immunities. Exactly. And so they were I mean you talk about collaboration at all levels and their lean team and their you know their their continuous improvement team working with their frontline supervisors and their managers and so they they put these barriers up and they got Mask for people, but then remember, they also gave people permission to not come to work if they felt they were, you know, could be in harm's way or they were nervous for their own health reasons or whatever. But then they immediately began to Kaizen that, you know, they immediately began to improve that. They had to stagger the the startup times because they ended up with a whole line of people outside, <laughs> which was hard to keep social distancing. So then they staggered it. Then they said, we better put up a tent because it rains this time of year. So they put up a tent with these barriers. So you kind of walk it like you're going to a ride a ride at Disneyland or whatever, uh, keep people from breathing on each other and markers on the ground everywhere, six foot, six foot, six foot. And they would just, just very quickly put these things in place so they could stay, stagger people coming in, give them some social distancing Give them a, a mask as they came in, so they gave them a free mask. I mean, a mask every day, and then very quickly they found out the dusty areas. They're like, "Man, I can't already breathe by noon." So once again, there it's just a, a chance for me to give that feedback immediately back to their to HR, who then says, "Well, we'll give them if they need more than one mask. Let's make sure everybody knows they have permission to have more than one mask." So literally, just learning in the moment, rapid feedback, and then the people there, the leaders there. Um, making adjustments and not getting hung up on some rule that they had yesterday if today's rule makes more sense. And their leader, their plant manager, did something really smart. I mean, right at first, she was having a lot of the typical type, lots of meetings or whatever. She realized the importance of minimizing the meetings and maximizing as much as you could 
being near as near as near to operations as you can to help solve their problems. And then anybody that did not need to be in there to work could work from home. Does that make sense? I mean, she's balancing. I mean, how did that change the way they communicated as a leadership team? Well, so they did. They went to the their version of Zoom or Skype. They have their own internal one that, and so their meetings weren't in rooms. They all logged in at noon for about thirty minutes. Okay. And this is a site. I mean, I know a lot about this site. This is a site that that typically has lots and lots and lots of meetings. And it was interesting to me because I saw all over this place through the decades they've had all these different like key principles, basic principles. Uh, you know, global principles, I mean, whatever, they have all these, and they're all, they're all interesting and kind of neat and cool wording. But one of the questions I had for them is like, like, what are your guiding principles right now? Because if you've ever wanted to know what's guiding you, here's a good opportunity to look, to What'd sort of say? think about what, that. How do they answer that? Well, one of the key, it's really interesting because one I heard several times was one that's been around a long, long time that actually fits really nicely into hop. And it's an old basic principle that says focus on the problem, not the person. And I thought that was pretty cool because that's one that has stuck from actually from the late 80s, I guess it was, when that one first was introduced. And so all these other ones with lots and lots of words and they're very beautiful posters, but they just – that's not the one that really jumped out because you know people were emotional, Todd. The, the, the driver that came forward about the, the mask – she was quite passionate, but I thanked her for her passion. I said, I appreciate you being vocal about this. I appreciate your passion around this. You don't want to hurt anybody, and you see this as a problem, and you brought it forward, so thank you. So thanking her for her passion and being willing to, to come forward, but then also what is the actual problem? The problem is I can't see. I can't see with all this stuff on, and I'm driving a 4,000-pound piece of equipment. So when you did the learning teams out in the field, how were they different? Oh, completely. Well, so, yeah, so they weren't – we didn't like – so it was operational learning. For me, it was like one big learning team, but it was just really rapid operational learning, getting out into, op, out into operations, finding their issues or concerns and their ideas, and then bringing them back together and sort of helping to collate them. I, they did all – I mean they did everything. I just – I was just there to help out a bit. I mean really it's all kudos to them for this amazing work they did. I was just really privileged to be in there to to help solve a few problems and and, and maybe take a look at some of the – you know, some of the – the way their system was responding in this, if that makes sense. Yeah, sort of. I mean did did you increase the diversity of opinion? Did you increase the speed at which the operational learning happened? What do you think you changed? Um, well, I mean, they brought me in because I'm learning stuff, right? I mean, I'm really big on the voice of the worker, uh, really big to help them sort of figure out what was right for them. Never mind, you know, I do want to say this and, and then give some kudos really to their leadership at their headquarters, which is usually fairly directive. But in this case, I actually found them shifting pretty quickly to more of a supportive role. I think you say it's the, it's the need for outside control to give up to internal leadership because the internal leadership was really doing a, a, a very good job, as good as could even be imagined in this situation. And I think that the senior leadership group at headquarters, uh, their, head, their head person came down and checked it out and said, you guys just keep doing what's right 
for you guys because you truly are you have your finger on the pole. So that makes sense. How different's the blue line? How how different's Ooh. the blue line in the middle of a crisis? Um. Wow, how different is the blue? So it was all about the. It wasn't all about the blue line. There was a black line expectations, right? Sure. But the but the blue line had to be listened to. For lack of a better way of saying it, we needed to listen faster. If that makes sense, or listen, be be very um, proactive in asking. What What do you need? You know, we talk about that all the time. What do you need to get your work done? And then listening to them, and not just saying, "Well, sorry, this is the rule." Wait, wait, wait. matter of fact, one of the processes I, I know the process because they've struggled in the past, and they came up with some great solutions. Some of this stuff that that the new rules were putting on them made it really difficult for them to do their work. And and I just looked at their leader and I said, hey, this is the team that solved the unsolvable. You would remember if I told you this actual place. Um, and get get them to work on it. And so they 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 pulled the team together quickly and said, hey, what what ideas do you have? And they came up with a way to do some sort of job rotations so that they could get a breather. So they couldn't like fix – well, this isn't here forever anyway, but it's here for now. But they figured out a way collect, collectively – now, you talk about empowerment, right? If if they helped make the work more tolerable, they, they realized, okay, I do have a little bit of control over my life. I'm not just completely a victim of this terrible condition that we're in. So I thought that was pretty cool too. And you don't you don't think these changes are going to be pretty permanent? I, I, I can't imagine a scenario – where we go back to the old way. I mean, well, you know, like on the, 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 we've learned and created these amazing adaptions. Why would we want to go backwards? Why well, would we want to go back to the way we used to do it? I don't want to wear a mask every day. That's why. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's interesting when you think about the problem that the mask, you know, may, may actually provide quite a bit of, of mitigation. Yeah. So you want to wear a mask every day? Do I? Yeah, um, it's not even good for I, you. It's I think not even... if I stood six feet away or six inches away from somebody, maybe I don't know. I, yeah, I, but, but they I don't. don't know. I think the the problem's really different now. Yeah, but the the thing is, is that that some of the things will probably stay. Like they went and put in nice framed Lexan between workstations and across from each other. That's like a sneeze bar. There was a time when we did not have a sneeze bar at a salad bar. Right. And somewhere along the line, somebody said, you know what? We should put something up here so people aren't spitting on the food that everybody else is eating when they're getting their right. So that so the sneeze bar stuck. Well, I think the sneeze bar between workstations will probably be a new way to set up workstations. It'll probably help during regular flu season and strep throat season and whatever. But some things like the mask, actually, there's I mean, there's a ton of debate about what, you know, well, I'd say this. People didn't weren't even wearing them correctly. So I. The, the EHS team there actually put together a little visual to help people understand better how to put them on. But some of the studies on that, you know, you shouldn't even wear them all day long. It's not good for your lungs. It restricts your system if you wear them a lot. And then when you take them off your system, it takes time for your system to even recover from that. We know that because, I mean, I'm a first responder and, you know, the whole uh, pulmonary testing and all the stuff we had to do to wear SCBAs and all so, yeah, so some of that stuff is needed during this kind of a situation, but it's not needed 
for the rest of time. But I think you, I think you kind of picked an easy one. The mask is an easy one. I think it's going to change the way we organize work. I, I think there's well, so less the, of a need that, for management. Well, so there's there's going to probably be more more focus on work being done remotely when possible. That was kind of already happening. You guys, you I mean you saw you we've seen that that was happening some already. I think there's going to be. It's interesting because the the things that I think well we will probably question everything, right? Like, do we need all the stuff that we had in the past, or did it just sort of creep up on us and become the part of our work. Now maybe we have a chance to relook at it and say, well, maybe we don't need that or maybe we need to change that. Well, I think that's, I think I think that's the opportunity. That's where we can bounce yep. forward with this. But I think yep. it takes a mature organization, an organization that realizes they're not coming back to the old way of doing work. Right. Right. And, well, then I, and that forces them, that forces leaders and managers to be adaptive. Right. Yep. Not that they're not adaptive. They've been adaptive, but – but it's going to force them to look at the work differently. I think it becomes really important that we uh, we we listen faster. Those are your words, right? And yep. that we understand that the way operations are happening are different, and we should probably understand the new, different operations before we push really hard to take it back to the old operations. Yeah, I think that there's going to definitely be some some. I think probably some good permanent changes coming. Like I've never liked this business of of docking people points because they don't come to work because they don't feel good. Um, you know, I, I think that one's going to be a, a, a good one. If you, if you don't feel up to, to come into work or you think you're getting sick, I mean, you know, this, you've, you, you're like, man, I just really, I am not feeling good today, but I can't, I got to go to work. Well, well, maybe not. Maybe we could actually help not have such a bad regular flu season. If we had some of this stuff in place. Maybe. So what's your takeaway? What's your grand wow. takeaway after this two-week yeah. experiment? Yeah, there's no grand takeaway, just a million takeaways. Like, like Give me the your adaptive top three. Yeah, I don't so want a million. Adapt- a million's too long. You don't have time for a million? No. But okay. I have time for top three. Top three. So um, top three. Listening fast, that's gonna that's gonna be one that sticks with me, is how we had to listen and respond at a at a pace that that is way different than what we're used to um, adaptation and then being willing to ad, adapt our adaptations. Like as, as we learn something new, it didn't take a, uh, it doesn't take a um, act of Congress to change it. And then helping our people realize that in these situations, we, we need them. They're 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 You know, we say essential workers. I actually saw a thing that I felt kind of bad about it. Um, a guy had on his shirt, they call us essential because calling us sacrificial would be too honest. And I felt kind of bad because I'm like, that that's probably how it feels, right? So the, the, the voice of the worker, if there's ever an opportunity to listen to the voice of the worker, I mean, this is like the most powerful thing now to realize they're the ones right there at the point. You talk about the pointy end of the stick. Uh, the linemen out there keeping the power on, the trash, the you know the people picking up our trash. The, you know, we, we in the of course the medical and police and fire. Those guys all, all for sure. But there's a whole lot of other people during this that you know the people working at Target, the people working at right. They're they're keeping stuff going. It's I don't know. I hope that it I hope that it helps 
leaders and managers value more than ever the frontline worker. I hope it does not turn into a bigger divide than we already had. I'm hoping that it will actually draw us together. So what do you think? That was the conversation. You got to hear a little bit. Well, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I think you didn't get to hear a little bit of it. You got to hear all of it. If you, if you made it this long, I'm two minutes over. What, when is, how's this started? I, I owe you some minutes. I'll give you some minutes next time. I'm sure there's shorter ones coming. I'm almost positive of it. So the idea of listening faster, listen faster, that I think on the back of what Ed Shine calls humble inquiry is really, really interesting. And that's right where you are. Think about it. Learn something new every single day. Bet you did today. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. And for goodness sakes, be safe.